Hey everybody, so excited that you're here. You're listening to the second episode of Whatever Works by Jasmine MacDonald. It's hosted by me, Jasmine MacDonald, and it's about a little bit of everything. It's about whatever works. Your life and how it unfolds is interesting to me, so I want to hear from you what you think about the podcast. Please like, share, review, and follow it. I hope that you learn a little something when you listen to our guest today. And after that, we're going to meditate, something that I really need. I hope you like it. It's produced by me, the CEO of Lifted Media Group, and distributed by Anchor. So first, we're going to listen to a few things from our sponsors. Hold tight. What's better than finding an awesome new establishment in town? Sharing it with your besties. You definitely have what it takes to win a $100 Visa gift card for a best of bestie contest. Download Bestie, B-E-S-T-I. It's available for Android or for iPhone. Then go to Instagram, bestie.global, or TikTok, bestie.us. Go to your favorite spot, have a good time, take a few photos, and then post it. Tag us and three more of your friends, and you'll be entered to win. The contest ends on January 30th. Bestie, your best friend in every city. Hey guys, it's Jasmine McDonald, and today we have Christine Craig on, and we're going to talk about burnout and what happens when you get burnt out, how you get burnt out, what we can do to combat that, and where it kind of comes from. Um, Christine's going to talk to us about her healing journey and what that looks like today. So I'm going to just start us off. Christine, how are you doing? Hey, Jasmine. Thanks for having me. It is so good to be here. Good. Yes. No, I'm super nervous, but also super excited. Okay, good. Good. We're so grateful that you're here. It's not easy to put yourself out there, but I'm super excited that you're here. No, I'm here for it. Cool. So talk to us about, we know there's a a bunch of different burnout types, right? Like we're going to talk about first, let's talk about corporate burnout. I think that lots of people can relate to that. So talk to me about your experience with corporate burnout. Oh, corporate burnout. I feel like this is becoming an almost universal experience Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. And my experience with it, um, it was when I was working as a call center rep. So I was doing over the phone customer service and really it was exacerbated by the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, The job that I was doing, I had been doing it for about five years. And I I would say that I was able to show up to that job each day, Mm -hmm. largely in part due to pharmaceutical assistance. Okay. Um, Yeah, so, (laughs) so I was taking a, a stimulant medication, you know, prescribed for, you know, attention uh, problems. Sure. And it was allowing me to show up in an environment that wasn't really authentic. Mm-hmm. But because I was so just artificially put in a, a state of just go and show up and do and push and forward, 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 driving energy all the time, mm-hmm. it, it allowed me to do a job that was honestly like 10 out of 10 stressful every day. Sure. I mean, nobody likes to get yelled at. You know, nobody wants to be just the battering ram for a company, it feels like sometimes. Yeah. But you're kind of like on the front lines of all of the frustrations, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you really are. You're that front line person. And, you know, you don't have to be a customer service rep to experience stress in your job. I mean, everybody. Mm-hmm has stress to some degree, whether it's a tight deadline or coworkers that can sometimes be difficult mm-hmm. or kids. You know, kids or a customer, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But um, where, it, you know, where the burnout really started to come in for me, I mean, there's dread for one. I mean, that's my spirit telling me that what I am showing up and doing every day is not jiving. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just that dread of going in every day. And 
I would literally tell myself driving to work, um, I would give myself this pep talk. I would say, all right, look, Christine, my shift ended at 630. I'd be like, all right. When did you go in? So I, it was a 10 a.m. to 630. Okay. So you're working like West Coast hours, essentially. Essentially. Okay. Yeah. And okay. so I would tell myself, I'm like, 630 is either going to get here or God is going to call me home. Like, oh my one, God. One way or another, I am going to get through this day. Wait a second, wait a second. So, you are either going to <laughs> survive your work day or die. Or die. Okay. That's where we were. And, and when those thoughts were coming, it wasn't like, I want to die. It wasn't like, you know, I hope I die. Or maybe if I'm lucky, I'll die. It's more like there's one of two options here. Yeah. It was, it was my way of telling myself that I am going to get through this. Mm hmm that one of two ways one of two ways and it it, it, no it definitely was not a oh I want to die it was it was just the reminder that come what may come whatever you know crap is coming down the pipeline today like I am going to get through it Mm -hmm. and now that mindset has been you know astronomically helpful in the healing journey sure but showing up day after day in that type of mindset is is really not ideal yeah okay so I kind of want to go back um to what you said about your so you were on like Adderall or Ritalin or something Vyvanse something mm-hmm. like that okay and so were you on this medication did you get on this medication so you could perform at your job or were you already on it when you got your job I was already on it when I got the job. Okay. But, I mean, the reason that I got on it was because I was struggling to function. Right. Just period. Mm -hmm. Um, And so being on that medication allowed me to show up to this job, you know, anyway from from the get-go. Yeah. Um, Do you think you have ADHD or ADD? whatever it's for yeah so I mean honestly like full disclosure it what was prescribed is it um it was Vyvanse and it was actually for binge eating disorder okay I have a very long history with um a disordered relationship with food okay and the binging was just so out of control despite all kinds of various treatments and and my doctor was like hey here's this thing it's FDA approved for Mm. this reason let's give it a shot yeah and you know, it, it really did help me. It helped you. It did help for it a time. Um, okay. I'm sorry you went through that. I'm sorry you're going through that. You know, it has been not a fun ride. Yeah. But by doing a lot of healing work, um, I'm in one of the best places I've ever been in my relationship with food, with my body, with being present. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that journey did require me to come off of that medication. Yeah. Because I actually found that that medication was actually helping me to dissociate mm-hmm. from myself mm-hmm. and continue to show up in ways that were inauthentic. A, you know, this this job that was super duper stressful. Yeah. Um, but it was really preventing me from being able to stay present. So I found that in my therapeutic sessions, I was unable to do EMDR. Which okay. Was something that was you know recommended. Awesome. You've done it. Have you done it yet? Yes. Yeah. Life changing. Life changing. Yeah. Super. Super. Super powerful. It's been super powerful. Yeah. But as um so when the burnout really was getting bad was um like a lot of things the pandemic really exacerbated it. Mm-hmm. Um, the work that I was doing, um, you know, before we would have like maybe a minute between calls, minute or two, some slow times here and there. But during the pandemic, um, the nature of the business that I was in, you know, people's retirement plans, uh, okay. the phones were ringing off the hook. Okay. So it was back-to-back calls from the second I logged in until, you know, the second I was done in the evening. And um, I found that I literally could not make myself show up one more day. Mm. Um, and Do you think the call volume rose because people had time to look at their retirement plan like for me that's really overwhelming stuff no one really teaches you how to do it right yeah so do you think it was like 
I have nothing to do. I'm at home. Might as well figure out my routine. Like, why do you think the call volume went up? Yeah, there was a there was a really obvious answer for that one, and that's that the government allowed people to take money out of their retirement plans because of the pandemic. Ah. Yeah. So the availability to access funds that were intended for future use mm-hmm. became available for this immediate need with a lot of people being out of work during the pandemic. Yeah. So everybody was calling in to get money out of their accounts. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was a very fear-based situation, you know, just all of the struggle going on during that time. Um, that's really what exacerbated the, okay. the volume. Okay. But um, so I would say just the crazy, you know, volume at work combined with realizing that in order for me to progress in my healing journey to be more present within myself, I'm going to have to come off this medication. Yeah. And... When I came off of that medication, um, my ability to show up and do that job just went completely out the window. Right. I, I could not force myself to do it anymore. Yeah. So I'll tell you a little story. I, I've i never even, even been tested for ADHD or ADD, but I have recreationally used Adderall with my boyfriend at the time and his friends and in the library at, um, at university. And I like felt very high. Like I did not feel concentrated at all. Like I felt like I was literally on meth. And you know, next thing I know, I'm like talking about how 9-11 was a setup. And this guy comes in who is not part of our crew. And one of my buddies was like, get out of here. You're in the wrong room. Like we're like blowing lines of Adderall in the library. Um, so I, I cannot take that type of stuff. Right. Like I, it does not make me concentrate at all. And I worked at a place where everyone was on something like that because of this intense environment and we like acted like we were Olympic athletes and listening to like motivational EDM and motivational trap music and really we're like placing software engineers in Raleigh market like but the stakes were felt so high right like the brainwashing yeah. that comes in to like if you don't grind if you don't show up at 6 a.m and work until 7 p.m and maybe take a lunch like you're worthless and you'll never be successful and it's crazy how we can feed into that and, and get brainwashed in that way. Like, I I know that those things don't motivate me. Mm-hmm. Um, we did, like, a write down your goals for 2020, I think it was, at the time at that job. And I wrote, like, grow spiritually and, like, be kinder to myself and others and, like, be more honest, you know. Mm-hmm. But, like, they wanted us to write, like, Audi, boat, you know, yeah. trips to the Maldives or whatever. So, like... Um, I was not in alignment with that environment. And so it sounds like that's kind of where you were too. Yes. Getting off of the Vyvanse. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I had my goals in life have been and still are. I want peace Mm -hmm. and I want contentment and I want joy. And I don't believe that crushing my quota or achieving the next level or you know the next salary band like right i mean i'm not going to lie i mean money is necessary i mean we all we all have to have a certain amount to be, sure. you know to meet our needs sure but i'm i am more interested in spiritual growth than uh climbing a ladder mm-hmm. per se yeah. and why do you think that is i would say honestly it's come from a long experience of not having peace mm-hmm. and not feeling safe and yeah. not being okay in my own skin. Yeah. And um, I think when some of those foundational experiences of internal safety and mm-hmm. security and enoughness are not necessarily met, then the hunger goes outward. And for me, and it, this may just be, you know, part of having that history of, of disordered eating, my thing that I thought was always going to help me feel safe and secure was getting a body that looked a certain way, getting a weight that looked a certain way so that I could somehow prove my enoughness that way. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I know a lot of other people and this is, um, you know, just my flavor of it was with body, but I know with other people, it's career, mm-hmm. it's money, it's advancement, it's the house, it's the boat, it's the car, it's sure. whatever is that external thing that's going to make me feel like I'm enough. Right. And my particular flavor of it just wasn't 
in the corporate sense. Mm-hmm. So I think that made it extra hard for me to drink the Kool-Aid. Sure. And I drank the Kool-Aid. I mean, I definitely drank the Kool-Aid and I abandoned myself every time I took another sip. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not in alignment with my ethos at all, but I did it, right? Like the financial freedom. I would tell myself I'm doing this because the abundance of peace, meaning lack of anxiety that comes from being financially insecure, which I've definitely experienced as well, um, will be assuaged when I work really hard and I get these things, right? And I climb the ladder. And for me, it was about winning, right? Like the money came and went, but like I, if I was beating the people on my team, um, then I felt safe, right? It's kind of like, they can't abandon me because I am perfect Mm -hmm. and I am performing and I am, you know, dance monkey dance, you know, I'm clowning for the company and I couldn't be left in the dark and I couldn't be left behind and I wouldn't be alone anymore. Yes. It all comes down to that sense of safety and security and enoughness. Mm -hmm. And if I am a top performer, then I feel safer. I feel more secure. I feel more needed. I feel more mm. validated. And I have a... And you feel loved. And I feel loved. You feel yeah. loved. Because yeah. your managers do love you. Yes. Because you, they are motivated by money for whatever fear and lack mentality and trauma they've been through. So when I help them feel better because I'm performing, you know, it's a kind of a vicious cycle. And the system is built on a zero-sum principle that there have to be winners and there have to be losers, Mm -hmm. that there have to be people, you know, my job had metrics like most jobs do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a ranking of like, all right, well, who's at the top and then who's at the bottom? And it's not a system of everybody can eat. Can eat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some people are going to get an abundance of praise and other people are going to be left at the bottom and they're going to be left out. Yeah. So it creates this, like, we all have to compete against each other. Mentality. Sure. Toxic work environment. Toxic work Hostile environment. work environment. Yeah. And when you're at the bottom, which I've been, you are given less help even. Like, so when I was winning, my managers let me do whatever I wanted. And that's not saying take a long lunch. It's like changing the rules for me. Like the, the, the fundamental needs of my job to do my job even what's written on the job description like just meet the requirements for the job we're kind of moved around because like princess jasmine does really well and she bought me another vacation home with her commissions that i'm scraping off the top so she can do whatever she wants but if someone else is not doing as well they are under a microscope and not just from an activity standpoint but from what they're allowed to do so it's capitalism right it's like the rich get richer the poor get poorer Mm -hmm. and in the same microcosm of that is this office space where the people who are winning get all the extra coffee and they get all the extra praise and they get posted on the instagram and they just you know they just get more what seems like love yeah like oh he loves me he got he bought me a coffee like Mm -hmm. He wants to keep you caffeinated so you work your ass off until 10 p.m. tonight and then come in again on Saturday, which I've done multiple times. And kind of piggybacking on what you said from the spirituality standpoint. So spirituality and healing in that regard and growing closer to spirit is your motivation now. It is because I can see the breakdown of getting a certain amount of money or getting a certain weight or a certain house or car or whatever, that's not necessarily going to guarantee me the peace that I'm after. Mm -hmm. So why keep chasing those things that are empty when the mentality is always, okay, well, one more, like Mm -hmm. the next level, the next thing, you know, the next promotion, the next bonus and you get it and you're you're still kind of empty. It's like getting a hit. It is. And it does require experiencing that for the lie to be exposed. Like Mm -hmm. I realize that I am coming from a place of privilege and that I have never experienced financial insecurity. Mm -hmm. You know, I, even though I was seriously burning out, like while I was at that job, I was a top performer Mm -hmm. and, you know, I did have enough money to pay my bills. And so you know, it's, it's easier for me to say, okay, look, I got the bonuses. 
I had the job and it still was not producing the peace and the joy. Mm. Like it was coming at an astronomical cost to me. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that I am empathetic or soft or not judging, you know, if someone has in a, is there in a place of financial insecurity? Like if, if what I'm saying is coming across as like, Oh, well good for her. That's horseshit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to talk negatively or down on somebody that's still just trying to grind it out to pay sure. the bills every day. Like that's a yeah. whole different level of struggle. Yeah. You know, and this is, my yeah. experience has come from a place of like, all right, well, I've had all of my immediate needs met, mm-hmm. but it can't satisfy myself. Sure. Definitely recognizing the privilege is important. And I, I will absolutely do the same. Like if I didn't go to college, then I wouldn't have gotten this job, the job that, you know, I've been referencing. But I, I grinded for a long time and that like bought me this house. Mm-hmm. So now my mortgage is cheaper than a lot of people's rent. And like that is privilege, right? Mm-hmm. And I totally agree with you. Like I was lacking in spirit before I got this job. I was lacking in spirit even more so at this job. And so it took time for me to really see it. And it wasn't until I was a shell of a human being I had an immense amount of unhealthy habits that I realized that this entire job and everything that came along with it was an absolute drug. And I was hooked, very hooked and very depressed and was not functioning either for me to really escape because a still small voice. And I think we can kind of pivot to the spirit here. A still small voice said to me, like, there's got to be something better than this. There's got to be something else. This cannot be it. I'm achieving the American dream, right? I was 30 years old. I bought my own home in a really affluent area. That's amazing. You own your car, no car payment there. Like I'm flexing. I realize that, but like, that is what the American dream, what I'm, what I didn't have is like the wife, the kids, the, you know, whatever. So when I realized that this is still not it. And, and to be honest, when I did buy the home, I was like, okay, I'm done. Mm -hmm. But then that wasn't enough. Right. Yeah. And not necessarily from a financial standpoint, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't the happy person. I thought it would, this accomplishment would feel like, you know, I'm done now. Really Mm -hmm. what it came from is like, hate to say it, but like a little laziness on my end. Like I've worked so hard to get to this place so I could now kick my feet up and I'll be happy and I won't have to dig deeper spiritually or emotionally or mentally. And I can just be done now. Mm -hmm. Um, When that was not, the plan for me yes there's more to be sought yeah there mm-hmm. is there is more to the seeking mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah we're gonna take a quick break is that okay with you yeah okay okay we're back so we talked about burnout what happens when you're already in that how can we help our listeners see when that is on its way, when burnout is imminent, or maybe some signs to look out for to avoid feeling this way and totally checking out at that point? For me, it starts with the body. I know in our culture, we are often encouraged to push and push, and you know we're so thought and mental driven, which is not a bad thing, but it's been my experience that reconnecting with my body, listening to what my body is telling me, my body, she is my best friend. Mm -hmm. I can trust her. And when my body is telling me that I'm at my limit, I need to listen to that. So what does that practically look like? you know, stress, you know, what does that look like in in the body for me? And, and that is, there's a mental component to it in that my, my, my brain doesn't want to work anymore. It gets hard to concentrate. It's, it gets hard to focus. Hard to find joy. Hard to find joy. Mm -hmm. Like my, my body starts to shut down. I lose my ability to function doing the everyday tasks even taking a shower starts to feel like a monumental task. I mean, mm-hmm. if I am struggling to take a shower every day, that's indicative of a problem. Yeah. 
For me, it's like dishes or laundry. And like, who likes to do that stuff for sure? But if I'm, my house is in a severe disarray, I am already in a depression or creeping towards a depression, which is either it's kind of chicken before the egg, but it's, am I depressed because I'm burnt out or am I burning out, which is kind of triggering a depression. So I feel you on that for sure. And it's hard because those are the things that will get me out of a depression. Or the shower, are the, you know, the chores and stuff, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. And that's the flip side that taking some simple action really can help me get out of it by forcing myself to take that shower, to take the dog for a walk, to eat nutritious food. You know, those are the things that can be the first to go, but the flip side that can be good is that those are the same things that can help to lift me out of it, Mm -hmm. but really paying attention to my body and and the amount of just exhaustion that I'm holding within my body is my way of knowing that my capacity has been maxed out. Right. If I like, don't get me wrong, I'm team nap. Okay. I love a nap. But if I'm like wanting to go to bed at 6 p.m. or like nap through my lunch maybe, which has definitely been my experience, that's a red flag. For me too. I remember when I was working the call center job, uh, I, at the end of my shift, would often lay underneath my 20-pound weighted blanket on the floor because on the floor I could get um, an even greater sensation of just being snuggled. If at the end of the day I need to be physically held down because I feel like I am going to just fly off the walls, that's like you said, that's a big red flag. Yeah. That's a big red flag. So you mentioned action. I, I say this all the time, never underestimate the power of taking action. Those esteemable acts too, right? Like that we were discussing, um, that really helps. What other actions do you take when you're sensing a burnout coming? One of the biggest actions that I take is physical activity, mm-hmm. but it's gotta be a very individualized plan. It's very easy for me to think, oh, well, I got to lift weights a couple times a week because I got to get my ass looking the right way so that I can be acceptable. I got to watch out to make sure I don't fall down that rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Something very simple like taking my dog for a short walk after work and making sure that I am moving my body in some way that feels restorative and rejuvenative. You know, for somebody else that could be yoga, it could be, you know, even just laying outside in the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, my Reiki teacher has recently gotten me started on grounding, mm-hmm. which is physically putting your feet on the ground and mm-hmm. just reconnecting with the earth. So it can even be a moment of stillness um, outside with my feet in the grass, or sometimes I've crouched down and, and put my hands on the grass. Mm-hmm. And it, I literally will feel the, like the electricity and and the energy of the earth like Mm -hmm. seeping into me so it's okay to get woo woo and you know or come up with whatever works but yeah some type of activity and then also um, nutrition am I making sure that I'm eating nutritious foods and I say nutritious loosely because again that's a very individual thing sure everybody you know has to listen to what works for their own body but am I hydrated am I eating Uh, nutritious food that works for my body and am I moving my body in a way that feels uh, restorative yeah and for me like yoga has gotten me through a really tough time when I worked at that job that's been aforementioned I did a ton of hot yoga and that was a really cleansing experience for me but it still gave me that adrenaline I did like heated flow so it gave me that delivery that I was craving so much, but in a way healthier way than working at 13 hours, you know? Um, And now I like to box. Again, that checking in process where the work is to figure out what's working for me right now, what's working for me tomorrow will, will be different, right? Like sometimes my healing process is I wake up, I work out, I go to work, you know, I do the, the hair, the makeup thing, feeling myself, and I crush the day and then I go work with a mentee or do some service work, right? And then another day might look like I sleep in and I eat ice cream and I watch Law & Order SVU for six hours straight. Both are healing to me at different times, but it's the 
the caveat is I have to be checking in with spirit and with myself and who is all, you know, one in the same, the God and me recognizes the God in you to see what it is that's like on the docket for today. And that for me has been one of the final frontiers because I have so many internalized shoulds mm. of this is what I should do today. I had maybe planned on after work, I was going to have, you know, XYZ workout. But if I find at the end of the day, I am feeling urges to escape, whether, you know, for someone that could look like they want to drink or for me, it's often I want to eat a box of donuts. Like that is my trigger that what I have concocted in my head of what I should be doing Mm -hmm. may not be what I actually need in that moment. And so my mind is like, oh God, I can't do this. I got to escape. And so it's radically giving myself permission to do what I need to do in that moment. Mm -hmm. Like I'll sometimes be driving home from work feeling totally overwhelmed and I'll have, I will literally be in the car saying to myself, what do I need in this moment? What do I need? Mm -hmm. And often by honoring whatever that need is, whether it's to go home and just dance in my living room by myself for a few minutes, that will allow me to take the next right action and not spiral down a course of self-destruction. Right. But it's giving myself permission to do what I need in that moment. And like you said, it changes day by day. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because there's a third option, right? Like it's the, it's the, what is the, the, the diet culture telling me? What is the fitness culture telling me? What is capitalism telling me? Or I'm going to drink and escape, or I'm going to swipe on Bumble for five hours, or I'm going to disassociate in some other way. But there is a third option, right? Which is checking in, going inward, picking something that will actually further your growth and further your healing. So that's really, it's good. I'm glad you pointed that out. I cannot tell you how many days the goal has simply been to get through the day without harming myself in Mm -hmm. some capacity. And those days that feel like it's not a step forward, by not taking a step backward, in the bigger picture, I am able to move closer to my goals Mm -hmm. by radically allowing. And a lot of times it's rest that I need that day. Mm -hmm. But the you know the hustle and the grind culture tells me no you got to crush those goals you got to go to the gym mm-hmm. you know i grind you, monday i grind, I grind. Yeah. your problem is that you're not grinding and shout out to uh hip hop preacher et love him don't get me wrong i won't make it that way my brain is wired that like if i am hitting a um self destruct button like that looks like drinking way too much alcohol for me that's my thing and so i can't get there because that will that's a deadly thing that's happening i have maxed out my allowance of destructive behaviors Mm -hmm. the catastrophe that comes from me taking the destructive path like it's just it's too high now i I can't do it it's Mm -hmm. like i have to choose the easier softer way that in a paradox ends up being the thing that gets me moving farther forward by allowing myself to rest and allowing myself if I need to curl up with a book and if it's a book of fiction or science you know science fiction instead of the you know the self-help spiritual stuff that I said I was going to read today it's like nope if my mind needs today to check out it's allowing myself to do what I need to do. And that's, and that is a, a form of self-care and nurturing and mothering and nourishing myself and mm-hmm. giving myself all the things that I may be seeking outside validation. You know, it's like I actually have the power to give that to myself. Mm. Yeah, it's like that uh, maybe the esteemable act is not reading Brene Brown that day. Because I give myself all these assignments. One time I I told myself I was going to learn more than words by extreme on the guitar for my dad for Father's Day or his birthday or something. I told no one else about it. I may have told my sister and I was busy doing other stuff and I didn't learn it in time. And so I was an hour late to the Father's Day brunch crying on my bed, like slow 
tears welling up in my eyes and streaming down my face full of anxiety because I didn't learn this song that I, no one is holding a gun to my head. My dad didn't ask me to do, I mean, I have created these assignments that equate to worthiness. And then when I don't hit these markers that are totally made up in my head, you know, the, the world is not like worth being in, or I'm not worthy of anything good, you know, or some very extreme thing. And, and thank God this was years ago. I don't live in that space anymore. But I, that was a huge lesson for me. It was like, I'm crying about something, feeling like shit when I, th- th- no one even knows about this, like fake made up assignment. And that really was a guide for me to work on my own harsh criticism and my own levels of anxiety. I created a lot of assignments for myself that no one cares whether or not mm-hmm. I, you know, if I got in. No one even knows most of the time. Yeah, no, no one, one even, even knows them. No one yeah. even knows. And, yeah. And so it's it's taking um, taking the whip out of my hands mm. that I use to beat myself with, to, to try to force myself to achieve and grow and, and for what. Yeah. Put the bat down. Yeah, put the bat down. Be kinder and, and more gentle on mm-hmm. myself. That is one of the biggest ways that I counteract the the burnout and the hustle and that grind culture is is just saying, you know, no, I'm I'm actually allowed to be enough as I am, and my progress forward is gonna look like how it naturally unfolds based on what my body tells me that I need today or if my mind needs the rest you know that day Mm -hmm. so you check in with your body you notice for me it's like different tensions Mm -hmm. like if my chest gets super tight I'm about to lose something that I'm afraid to lose almost always and when that happens I try to meditate it through and I gotta be honest with you I'm right most of the time I do lose the thing I think I'm about to lose but it always ends up being my life is so much better now that I've lost these things that I knew were coming, like almost in a psychic way, because I'm free. I have had a couple experiences in the last few years of things exiting my life that I thought I had to have in order to be okay. Mm-hmm. And while I don't want to repeat that experience, sure, the lessons that I have learned, I would not trade for anything having the experience of you know whether it's a job or a relationship or an aspect of my health something you know there's something for everyone whatever that thing is you think you have to have having the experience of that going away and seeing the lie exposed for what it is that Mm. it really is a lie and that I really am okay or even better off or yes most always better off right yes my experience has been better off i yeah i hate to say 100 percent of the time but it's more like 110 percent of the time yeah yeah absolutely that has produced a faith that i am okay and i'm always going to be okay Mm -hmm. that i would not have had without that experience right if i feel like i can't survive without something it probably needs to go yes that's been my experience too. Okay. Because that thing is outside of myself. Right. And it's me placing my okayness on something other than myself and my relationship with spirit. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I have everything that I need for peace and contentment and joy already within me. It's just tapping into it. Right. And things often have to exit in order for me to to realize that. Yeah. So when you refer to the lie, the lie being happiness is external, that's the lie. The lie, yeah. Or happiness is external in whatever that specific situation is. In this case, it could be I have to have the job that I am currently in in order to be okay and so I'll work those extra hours I'll answer those emails on the weekend I'll push past you know the the point when I need rest I'll work on my PTO Um, or for me honestly in full transparency as always I look past red flags or I put up with straight up abusive behavior in relationship physical abuse mental abuse spiritual abuse financial abuse because this is all I get 
this is all I deserve, which I don't really cognitively think that, but I am believing that kind of like, again, from the head to the heart, to the deep knowing it's like in my heart in my deep knowing, I know that I'm worthy of all of the highest and finest things as everybody. And that's not talking about physical stuff or material stuff, but in my heart, it's like, this is enough, I guess. And I, and I'm so quick to sell myself short. It's yeah. It's that ingrained belief that good things have to be worked for and earned and what I can expect out of this life is struggle and difficulty and changing my mind to one that believes that no I am abundant and while this life is going to contain a certain amount of struggle because that's how I learned my best lessons that's just part of the human experience Mm -hmm. and the capitalist society we're in right there is also a flip side that I can expect good out of this life yeah. and I don't have to settle for scraps. Yeah. And I think it's tough for me growing up in the Catholic church and having, you know, other things happen in my life that um, I've been trained to look for, you know, gratitude and don't get me wrong. Gratitude is necessary and gratitude exercises are awesome. And I do them with friends all the time and I express gratitude and thoughts, prayers, meditations, writings, etc. But I can, I'm definitely guilty of when something is, is falling significantly shorter than is even expected necessarily. Um, absolute bare minimum. I have a tendency to say like, well, you should be grateful. You should be grateful for that. You're ungrateful. You're an ingrate or you're experiencing arrogance for wanting more. And in some ways, like, you know, outside of material, I don't think that could ever be true. Like if we're talking about respect in a relationship or we're talking about not really using your, your human capital to the extent where you're checking into an outpatient program, right? I mean, you know, it's impossible to be ungrateful in that way, I think. You know, financially, obviously, I can be ungrateful for all the things I have. I think that's, I think that's easy to see. But if I'm being like lied to by a partner or spoken with disrespect, even from people that are very close to me or close family, like, you know, being ungrateful um, for that can get me into an abusive situation and has, has. and has kept me there and has really kept me there until my spirit is breaking and some massive things have to go down, cataclysmic nuclear things have to go down for me to set myself free and I'm still kind of scratching at the walls of it trying to keep it but again spirit is like delivering me high levels of deliverance which feel like things getting taken away but in reality everything's being given to me at that exact moment in that exact situation as I'm in quote losing something yeah yeah and it's for me a lot of my um, healing and growth has been accepting that as a human I can hold multiple contrasting things at the same time I can have a base level of gratitude for things in my life while also accepting that there are other things in my life that are unacceptable and need to go right I am capable of holding both Mm -hmm. and that has been you know props to my therapist for helping me learn and see that I I can hold multiple things. I can feel a couple different ways about the same situation that I can be really sad that a situation is ending or changing while also holding gratitude for all that I learned and experienced and and grew Mm -hmm. out of that. And, and happy it's ending and happy and also sad that it's ending, right? Like it could be both, it could be the same part of the situation that you're feeling conflicted about, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'd like for you to give our listeners some tips as far as um, healing is concerned for you. So your healing kind of setup, what does that look like? So my current setup, what I'm doing is maybe three main things I'm doing at the moment in terms of treatment modalities. Um, I see a trauma-specific therapist once a week and I've seen her for god maybe four or five years at this point a long time a long time and 
it's really only been in the last year that we've been able to start incorporating EMDR. Okay. And the foundation for that, like, you know, we talked about earlier, I got off of a stimulant medication that was really preventing me from being able to stay connected to my body and yeah. stay present. Um, I also Same. got off of um, some other psychiatric medications that were preventing me from being able to feel and be connected to my emotions and, and to my body. And so, so now we're doing EMDR and that is a wild ride. The second those the light bar starts going back and forth, you know, we'll, we'll have the, uh, the fear, the statement of that we're, you know, bouncing off of or leading with. Like the belief you the have belief, about yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I do EMDR too, mm-hmm. but it's different. So, and just disclaimer, we're not psychologists and we're not psychiatrists. We're just two people that do EMDR with our own respective therapists at the time at right now. Um, but yeah, so I hold like two, it looks like little like remotes Mm -hmm. and they they like vibrate and they go left and right so it's kind of the same in the same vein the light bar for you right yes so she has she calls them the tappers and it's exactly it's like the two little remotes that vibrate left to right yeah um and then she recently got uh, a light bar and it's maybe uh two to three feet wide and a little light just runs back and forth between the two ends and I follow that with my eyes Mm -hmm. and EMDR is helping to soften some feelings around some events Um, it's helping me to sit with my emotions and be less reactive to them because that has been a a big struggle for me throughout my life is is not feeling overwhelmed and flooded with the emotion but allowing it to to feel and to and to pass yeah and so that's one big treatment modality um so emdr and i just looked it up eye movement desensitization and reprocessing is what it means i think what it does is rewires our brains and how we think about the trauma that we're working mm-hmm. on that day and again the belief that came from that mm-hmm. and how we can now reframe that into a different sentence so like i did it recently about a big big t trauma that i had experienced with a, an old boyfriend and it was i be- i deserve only bad things mm-hmm. and then the sentence that i replaced it with was I am deserving of love and I'm doing the best I can. And by the time we were done with that processing and like some serious subconscious beliefs that I wish I had in my head that are just in my deep knowing space came up. Like these people are not even worthy of your time. Like not even worthy of a look. You know, you didn't deserve that. Everything you want is coming for you. In the meantime, build a life that you don't want to hide in. Only certain people get access to you and your energy. It, you need like a high high clearance badge or like high level of security to kind of enter into my world, which I didn't really think that really before. And I might say it like there's so many affirmations and in Instagram healers and whatever. And do I deeply believe that? Do I know it to be true? Be still and know yeah. sort of stuff. So that brain rewiring is fantastic. It I'm is. I'm so happy to that. EMDR, highly recommend it. Yes, yeah. I can't say enough good things about it. it can Absolutely. Be, it can be a brutal experience to do it, but mm-hmm. um, it it's worth it. And the other thing that I'm doing uh, and have for the last two years is Reiki, okay. Reiki energy healing. And I don't understand how it is working all I know is that there are things in my life that were stuck uh, particularly around my relationship with food and compulsive eating behaviors that no amount of medication or talk therapy uh, done DBT CBT treatment modalities Mm -hmm. I just couldn't touch it and I started doing Reiki and those things they, they were getting unstuck at, at phenomenal rates. Yeah. And so it's something that I still continue today because clearly it's working. Yeah. Uh, that's 
that I mean I've got Reiki one I've, I've taken Reiki one training oh you have so, so I actually do Reiki on myself too oh really um sometimes in the evenings or you know in the afternoon on the weekend or whatever yeah I'll just lay in my bed and just invite the Reiki energy in and, and, and do my own Reiki healing to to just help with it mm-hmm. and fully understand the how all I know is the evidence of my life suggests that this is working right and my Reiki teacher who I adore is currently out west and so we're doing it virtual and Reiki is really awesome because you can do it in person or virtual yeah I go to Reiki too Mm -hmm. so my Reiki healer her name is Robin and she is at living your bliss in Raleigh Um, if you want the information I'd be more than happy to share it with you but I've had some wild experiences with Reiki as well. And I um, started doing it. My mom actually bought me a few sessions when I had left a previous job um, after having to report some sexual harassment. And then I honestly got fired <laughs> for that. So um, it, it was, a, again, like a huge loss, right? Like it was um, after the crazy burnout job. And so it was like, can I just can a bitch get a rest? You know what I'm saying? So like that was tough, but, um, it brought me to this healer that is like a super close friend of mine now. And I kind of just put that together. So, um, if I can just go through life with that level of knowing that everything is working out for my highest good, then I think things, um, will probably end up being the same because the plan cannot be stopped, but I will experience the ride a little bit better. Yes. Yeah. Enjoy it more. What changes is my perspective, mm-hmm. uh, a perspective of expecting good things to to unfold. Yeah. And what really changes is my level of hope and positivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third thing that I'm doing in terms of treatment modalities at the moment is I I ride horses. Okay. A couple times a week. Uh, I grew up with horses. Um, I was born into it. My mom uh, had a horse growing up and she used to be a competitive barrel racer. And so I was very blessed to, to have them in the backyard as a kid. and Equestrian. Equestrian, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it, a couple years ago, again, starting to look at, you know, what are some things that I can do to intentionally build joy back in my life? And I was mm-hmm. like, well, it's been 20 years since I've been around horses. Let's Let's see how that goes. And Healing the inner child. Healing the inner child, yeah. And... I have found that my inner child still needs a lot of work. Yeah. Um, the barn is a crazy experience for me because I cannot show up around these animals the same way that I show up in the rest of life. Like, you know, when it's time to go to work, if I'm not really feeling it that day, I, I kind of, and you know, maybe I shouldn't do this as much, but put on that face that like, I'm okay. The mask and, and on. The, put the mask on. Yeah. yeah. And I have had a few experiences at the barn where when I try to show up and do that, my horse is going to call me on it. She is going to... How does she call you on it? So when I come into the barn and I'm all keyed up with stress and anxiety, she reacts to it in the form of... It's almost like I can't ride her. Like she is... Uh, prancing around and blowing and snorting and like trying to canter forward when we're supposed to just be walking like she she becomes unmanageable mm. because she is so reactive to the energy that I am bringing to her I am not bringing to her the energy of a calm confident leader so what I have to do is it forces me to be vulnerable and I have to show up and tell my trainer that I'm struggling that day mm. and we have to pivot the plan um, today was one of those days because I, you know, I had a lesson today and I didn't even ride for most of my lesson today. Today we just ended up doing groundwork. We did a lot of lunging, uh, just trying to soften and calm that energy. And my goal for today was to ride one lap in each direction around the ring. And honestly, I didn't even make it. I only I made uh, one lap and, you know, we went to turn and I was starting to get all keyed up and antsy and she was starting to prance around. And so my instructor was like, you know what, let's dismount. And yeah. Let's just, let's end on a positive. And yeah. so I really have to check my ego there and mm-hmm. be willing to pivot and accept the day for what it is. And so just that whole experience um, is is healing because it, it forces me to butt up against 
my expectation? How do I want it to go? And I just can't force my my desired outcome on the day. It requires a lot of surrender. Mm. And what I heard you say was, when I show up stressed and anxious, it is unmanageable because the horse won't isn't having it. No, she's yeah. not having it. Yeah. So who's leading who, really? Oh, I'm I'm definitely the one receiving the lessons yeah. here. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think we've all received a lot of lessons from you today, Christine. Thank you so much for being on today. It's been awesome. You've shared so many things that I really needed to hear. So I appreciate it. It has been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be on the second episode of Whatever Works. Like <laughs> I just, it's it's been a treat for me. Well, I appreciate that. Do you want to share anything else with, with the listeners before we wrap up? I would say one thing that has really carried me through is that I have to approach myself with love and compassion, regardless of whatever perceived failure I am looking at in my life. I have to show myself some grace and compassion. I have never been able to hate myself into any lasting positive change. I have only seen positive changes in my life coming from a place of love towards myself. And so I just encourage everybody, you know, in whatever way to practice some love and some kindness today, because wherever you are, you're worthy of it. Mm. Amen. You can skip church this week, guys. Christine's here. (laughs) Dropping sermons. That's right. Well, thank you all for listening. We're going to jump into a meditation as always. If you don't want to meditate, that's okay, but you should think about it. Think about it. Think about meditating with us. It would be awesome if you did. Third episode's on its way. Again, Christine, thanks so much. We're going to um, put on some woo-woo music and meditate for a few minutes. So stand by. reached the meditation portion of whatever works thank you for taking the time to be still sit down with your back straight and your shoulders relaxed or lie down. Check in with your soul. What does it need? Check in with your heart. What is it saying to you? Check in with your body. Are there pockets of stress, anxiety? Take a deep breath into those pockets. Through your mouth, seal your lips, exhale through your nose. Take another deep breath 
you are loved. You are cared for. You are safe. When thoughts come in, thank them and focus again on the air. Coming in and out of your nose. You are here in this moment for a reason. Sometimes the reason is clear. Sometimes the water is muddy. You are a lotus flower rising above the muddy confusion of your past, of your future. There are no guarantees. There is only this moment. Try to let it go as best you can. Continuingly coming back to your breath, back home. Release anything that does not serve you in this moment. Allow it to dissolve into the surface of which you are on. You are held. Everything is constantly changing. Pain comes. Joy comes. Peace comes. And fear after that. You always have yourself to come home to. Taking a moment to bring your awareness back to your breath. Notice how your body and mind your soul has changed. Notice if you feel even slightly more at ease. This is your natural state state of calm and peace. Accessible at any time.
in any situation, in any circumstance, in any place. Enjoy this feeling, this knowing that you are safe and protected. Everything beautiful is on its way to you. Know that, dear one. I believe it with my whole heart. When you're ready, open your eyes, look around your environment, You are always at home within yourself. Thank you for practicing with me today. Your presence is so special to me. I love you so much. Until next time.